Alhamdulillah, each and every one of us just now witnessed the incredible power of this month of Ramadan. Because before Maghrib, I don't think any one of us had the ability to stand for one hour and 40 minutes in Salah. But just being alive for one and a half hours of Ramadan, we didn't even fast yet. We haven't even fasted a single day yet. We haven't even fasted a single minute yet. We haven't even fasted a single second yet. Just existing in this month of Ramadan, the month of Ramadan has so much power in it, so much mercy in it, so much ability to change us, that just being alive for one and a half hours in Ramadan changes into a person who could stand for one hour and 14 minutes in extra salah. Maybe for some of us tonight, this was the longest ibadah we did in the entire past year. Most of us probably, in the entire 11 months that passed, we never stood for one hour 40 minutes consecutively in any type of salah at all. What brought about this change? How did we change so suddenly, so quickly? This is the power of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now imagine if this is the beginning of the power of Ramadan, if this Ramadan can change us so much so instantly, then imagine if we spend it all 30 days Taqwa, with Iman, with Hayah, by the end of Ramadan, how radically changed a person would be. This is why Allah Ta'ala sends this month of Ramadan to us. So that we get taqwa, so that we change. So it's very important that this year, in Ramadan, it should be our niyyah. Ya Allah, just what you did to me right now, I want you to keep going. Keep changing me, keep fixing me. Keep making me do things I never thought I could do before. Make me do sabr that I never did before. Make me do shukr like I never did before. Make me have adab like I never did before. Make me be good to my spouse like I never was before. Make me good to my children like I never was before. Just like tonight you made me pray like I never did before in the past. That's the power of Ramadan. Many of us, we make a mistake. And we think that Ramadan is just about fasting. And we've been telling people in Toronto, don't make this mistake. Don't even call it the month of fasting. Incorrect. It's a very inadequate definition. You have not recognized what Ramadan is. Ramadan is the month of mercy. Ramadan is the month of forgiveness. Ramadan is the month of taqwa. Ramadan is the month of wilaya. Ramadan is the month of qurbid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you start viewing it like that, you start acting like that, then you will get something in Ramadan. But if you just think that Ramadan is the month of fasting, you will show up, you will fast, and the month will end, and you will end. And many people, all they do in Ramadan is they just change their schedule. That's it. They don't change themselves, they change their schedule. They change the times when they eat, and they change the times when they sleep. And some of them, they change the menu. Especially those who are Indian, Pakistani, Gujarati. They have a special Ramadan menu, and their wives know it very well. So they're already thinking up right now and already planning what to make for the food. 
And then the second Ramadan ends, the Ramadan menu goes back in the drawer, the Ramadan schedule goes back in the door, same old person comes right back. Ramadan is not about fasting. It's about fasting in order to get that Things in our deen are done for a maqsad, a haraz, an objective, a purpose. You have to start telling your children this right now. Don't tell them Ramadan is the month of fasting. Hey, Ramadan is the month of fasting. We fast so we get closer to Allah Ta'ala. So we have taqwa. So, oh my dear son, you should do this, something else also, to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. You should go give your mother a hug to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. We should read some Quran to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Because this month is entirely about becoming closer to Allah Ta'ala. But if we think ourselves and we tell our children that it's about fasting, so what happens is the person takes it one day at a time. They wake up, they make intention to fast, they come for Fajr, and they fast, and Maghrib is over. And Maghrib is the fast ended, and then they eat. And then again they do the next day. It's not just about fasting. I think now everybody's understood this, but we have to take a different approach to the month of Ramadan. Now, what should we change then? Not schedule changing, Ramadan should be heart changing. Because this is our greatest crisis. The whole Ummah, all of us, it's not a political crisis. We're facing a crisis of the heart. We have not yet made our heart the way Allah wants to make our heart. Yes, Allah sent the entire Quran, sent Nabi Akhim sent Deen of Islam to change our hearts, to change how we feel. Not just to change how we talk, or change what we do, or change what we eat, or change when we eat. Allah Ta'ala sent all of these things to change our hearts. This la'allakum taktakun, taqwa is something in the heart. And taqwa is what's missing in our heart. You'll be amazed, anybody with even any small, slight familiarity with Quran, you will know that taqwa keeps coming over and over and over again in Quran. All the time. You keep saying it. And if you look at us, if you say what's one thing we don't have, it's taqwa. It's a strange thing. We may have salah, we may have gone on hajj, we inshallah will fast, right? We may pay the zakat, we may do community service, we do lots of things. But that one super ingredient that comes over and over and over again in Quran, that one feature that is timeless, nothing can change the definition of taqwa. There's no time, culture, society, nothing changes what taqwa is. There's some things that we say in life for eternal truths, timeless truths. Taqwa is something like that. And me and you, we don't have that taqwa. We're trying to lead a taqwa-free life, low taqwa life. It's not going to work. So Allah Ta'ala wants to help us. Allah Ta'ala sent this month of Ramadan to help us, to help us get this taqwa. So how to Second of your life in anticipation of that day. What is that day? La None of your wealth, your property, possessions, cars, homes, none of that will be of any benefit to you whatsoever on that day. Your sons, your children, none of the worldly relations, relations you have for the sake of the dunya, 
None of that will be of any benefit to him that day. The only person who will be successful on that day of judgment is the person who brings to Allah Ta'ala a qalb al-salim, a pure heart. That's it. One shot at getting the mercy of Allah Ta'ala on that day and getting admission into Jannah. And the amazing thing is that a lot of us don't even know what a qalb is. Yes, Allah Ta'ala in this verse in the Quran is saying it all comes down to the heart. So let me start there. Qalb, it's not our physical heart. Your body has a heart that the cardiologist looks at. This is not what Allah SWT is talking about. You can die of heart attack and still go to Jannah. It doesn't mean that you have to bring Qalman Ziling. This is the driven heart. Which heart is this? You can call this the spiritual heart. It's the heart of the Ruh. So you have a body, but we have some things Allah SWT put inside our body. And Ramadan is actually about Allah Ta'ala trying to change the balance between those things. Basically, there are three major things that we have in addition to our body. One is our aql. Aql is our mind, intellect, however you want to call it. It's the processing of thoughts. It's the way we think, the place we think from. Second is our nafs. We have enough inside of us also. Nafs is the place and seat of our desires, our passions. Sometimes raw, sometimes carnal, sometimes overwhelming. It is supremely commanding to do evil. And the third thing we have inside of us is our qalb. Qalb is the seat of our feelings, of our emotions. Especially the incredible feeling of iman that's in the qalb. Feeling of taqwa in the qalb. Feeling of ikhlas in the talb, feeling of tawakkal on Allah in the talb. All of the feelings that Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, all of them have to do with our heart. Now it's up to me and you, every human being will make one of these three things the imam of their life. There are some human beings who make the decision to make their mind, the aql, the imam of their life. Whatever makes sense to them, whatever appeals to them, Whatever is logical to them, they say, that's correct, and we will do that. And people, when they make this decision, so they're always looking for something, some ideology, some philosophy, some ism to follow. And some Muslims also fell in this trap. And you may be wondering, that isn't there mention, there is mention of Aqlul Quran. And also the mention of Aqlat Aqilu. But, and I will tell you this, if you go through the entire Quran, you will see, that every single place in Quran where Allah SWT tells us that you do not use your aqal, Allah is addressing unbelievers and telling unbelievers that you do not use your basic sense and reflect in the world in the signs of creation and come to the realization of the belief in Allah SWT. But once a person has Iman, then Allah SWT doesn't tell the Allah SWT anywhere to just use their aqal. Why? Because is my eyesight. Eyesight is something you need, but you will only be able to see if there's light. And if there's no light, even if you have perfect vision, you won't be able to see. Akal is just like that. It's a faculty of perception. But you have to use your akal in the light of Quran and Sunnah, in the nur of Waqi and Nabuwa, in light of the revelation and prophecy. If you use your mind in that light, 
then the Atul is a very important thing. So the Allahina Amanu, what is the need then that of ilm? You need to have ilm of Quran and ilm of Sunnah to use your aql if you're a believer. The second option was to make the Nasta Imam of our life. To make the Nasta Imam of our life. Unfortunately, again, a great number of humanity make that decision. In fact, probably in the history of mankind, the greatest shirk has been done of worshipping the nafs. Not worshipping idols or worshipping the sun or worshipping the fire. People have been worshipping their nafs. Allah says in Quran, Are you not amazed? Do you not gaze aghast and in wonder and astonishment at that person who has made the even small desires of their nafs? Hawa means the whims and fancies of their nafs. Their ilah, their god, their mabud, they make the nafs the imam of their life. You will see in Fortune, even in our city, New York, and I'm sure in your city, Toronto, you will meet very nice people, educated. When I grew up in Manhattan, so they were very intelligent, educated people. My classmates in high school, people I knew in university, executives who worked in Wall Street. And not all of them are like this, but a very large number of them, if you see them on a Friday night or a Saturday night, Manhattan, you will understand what it means to make the nafs the imam of your life. Otherwise, a very educated, well-spoken, accomplished person walking around drunk in the streets of Manhattan on a Friday and Saturday night. Ya Allah. <laughs> Just from a purely human perspective, it's astonishing. Why? Why do they do this? Because they made the nafs the imam of their life. And they in fact spend the whole week waiting for that weekend so that they can indulge in different sins of their nafs. And if for some reason on that weekend they're not successful in their plan of sin, they show up Monday and they're sad. So I remember the weekend. And then they're waiting all week again for Friday to come. And they're so firm on this, especially Friday night, because Friday they woke up early and they went to work in the subway all the way down to Wall Street. And they worked all day. And then they come back home. And then they go out at night, even though they should be tired by now, they go out and they worship their nafs. And unfortunately, again, some Muslims also come in this mistake. That I'm sure all of you know about. Now, some of us in our Ummah, we may worship our nafs in the same way. Some of us do it on the sly. <laughs> on the sly. We secretly, privately. Publicly, we are pious, and when we're alone, privately, we also worship our nafs. The difference is that they worship their nafs in public because. They have no claims to any type of Iman or Hayat. We know that we are supposed to be people of Iman and Hayat, so we worship our nafs behind closed doors. We worship our nafs in the privacy of our home. We worship our nafs and we try to hide it and conceal it. This is another problem. Third option <coughs> was to make the Qalb the Imam of our nafs. This is what Allah SWT wants. Follow your heart. Which heart? Qalb al-Sunnah. Which heart? The heart which is filled with the feelings of Quran. The heart which is filled with the Sunnah of Sayyidina The heart which is molded and patterned after his adab and akhlaq. Spend your whole life making your heart like that and then follow that heart for the rest of your life. That's called Qalbun That person and only that person, illa, only that person will be successful in the day. So how does Ramadan time to Allah Ta'ala sends Ramadan, the month of Ramadan to us to revive our hearts and to 
became our master. What happened for many of us that our nuts became stronger than our heart? Let me give you an example. Desires of nuts, such as lust, became a stronger feeling in us than the passions of our hearts, such as Iman and Hayat. So Allah Ta'ala wants to bring it back into the proper perspective by sending this with the Ramadan. How will Allah Ta'ala help us accomplish this? That's the test. The reason we fast is to control our us. There's no other reason for fasting. It's not something cultural. It's not something we do. It's the, you shouldn't explain it to your children like that. You should tell them straight up. The reason we fast is to control our nafs. The reason we fast is to make us more loyal to Allah Ta'ala, more obedient to Allah Ta'ala. That's why we fast. You will see once there was a young man, Sahaba, he came to Sayyidina Rasulullah and looked at his sincere sweetness. He actually told his Prophet, me and you would be so embarrassed to say this to our Imam. But he went and told Nabiya Kareem that Ya Rasulullah I have a lot of lust. I can't control myself. I'm feeling too much lust. So the Prophet he told him, okay, you should get married. You should get nikah. He said that I'm unable to do that. Maybe it was some financial reason. He said, I'm unable to do that. So then Sayyidina said, what did he tell him? Almost all of you know the city. What did he tell him to do? Hmm? He told him to fast. He told him to fast. The exact same reason why Nabi Yaqeem told that Sahaba to fast is the same reason Allah Ta'ala wants the whole Ummah to fast in Ramadan is that because fasting helps us control our which nafs that nafs that Allah comes from the Quran, inna nafsa la ammara, that indeed that nafs is overwhelmingly powerful over us. And you find many people they commit a sin, and you ask them, what's the matter with you? He says, I just, I lost control. I was overwhelmed. I was overcome by my desire. I couldn't stop myself. I couldn't help myself. So why can't you lower your gaze? He said, I just can't help myself. So Ramadan's coming to help us. So you can have to view Ramadan like that. That this year, Ramadan, I want to elevate my heart and I want to restrain my nafs. I want to stop my nafs from following its unlawful desires. That's why Ramadan comes. If you want to be successful in that, you have to make sure that from Maghrib to Fajr, you don't overeat. If you overeat from Maghrib to Fajr, you destroy the whole long day's labor you put in the fast. In Mashallah and Toronto, you will be fasting 17 hours. So when you fast 17 hours, you put so much Mashallah effort, Inshallah, tomorrow and every day after that for the rest of the month. And then you want to undo all your effort by eating heavy, spicy, oily foods, by eating so much food from Maghrib to Fajr, more than you even ate in 24 hours before Ramadan. Yes. So you'll fast, undo, next day fast, undo, next day fast, undo. By the end of Ramadan, all you would have had is 30 fasts and 30 undos. You won't get that. This look in the history of our life. This is what happened to us last year and the year before. And it's been happening to us for several years running now. Because we thought it was just about fasting. So we succeeded. We fasted. We reached hunger. Now do whatever you want. It's not just about fasting. Fasting in order to get taqwa. That mission continues even after Maghrib. In fact, that mission should continue even after Ramadan. That's a, that's a wake up call. Ramadan.
Ramadan is a wake-up call. So make this year's Ramadan about your heart. Because there's two other types of Qur'an, uh, two other types of Qalm, Allah SWT mentioned Qur'an. This is one Qalm, called Qalm al-Salim. Another type of Qalm. That's called the dead heart. That's another option. Allah Ta'ala mentioned that there are going to be people whose spiritual heart, physical heart is still beating. They're still physically alive. But their spiritual heart is dead. Dead. Allah Ta'ala mentions this in three ways. I won't give you all the details tonight. Since you'll be tired by now. Three metaphors. One is the hard heart. One is the rusty heart. And one is the blind heart. This, this is the way Allah Ta'ala describes it in Quran. What does it mean? Blind. Blind heart means that their heart has become blinded to seeing what is good for it and what is bad for it. Allah gave us this ability. He inspired us with the inner ability to know what is good for us in terms of deen and akhirah and what is bad for us in terms of deen and akhirah. But if a person, they keep sinning, they keep ignoring, they keep forgetting Allah SWT, then Allah rests their heart. Allah puts a veil on their heart. Ultimately, Allah can even set a seal on their heart. He sets a zeal on their heart. He sets a seal on their heart. Then what happens is that they'll still read Quran, but it's not going to give them benefit. They actually go through the motions of Salah and Quran, but it doesn't make a benefit. How? Allah says in the Indeed, in this Quran, there is a zikra, there is an advice, an admonishment, a counsel, a message. But who is going to get that message? Only for that person who has that heart. Only that person who listens to this Quran with their heart. All of you heard again tonight, but all of you know how to until the beginning for Baqarah. There's also a Hudalinas. That's a basic level of Hidayah from Quran. Then there's another level of Hidayah, Hudalin Muttaqi. Who is going to get that? The person who has heart. If we allow our heart to die and get hardened in that sense, then we're in danger that we won't be able to even benefit from these atma. And then the third type of heart, that's called Qalbul Marid. That's the person who's not Qalbul Salim, nor are they the dead heart. They're in the middle. They're diseased heart, sick heart. What is the sign of that? This person is sometimes good. Sometimes they're great in their bada, they cry out of love for Allah subhanahu they go on umrah, they go on hajj, they make good intentions to change themselves. And sometimes this person becomes again a slave to their dreams. Sometimes they skip their prayers. Sometimes they don't lower their gaze. Sometimes they lose their temper and get angry with someone. Sometimes they mistreat their spouse. They're sometimes good and they're sometimes bad. Okay, now what was this person supposed to do? But when you get a physical sickness, what do you do? You go to a doctor. You seek a cure. You try to get help. You try as quickly as possible to regain your health. Problem is that in our deen, we don't do that. So when we don't do that, what does Allah say in Quran? He ulubihim maradam, fazadahumullahu maradam. And now I'll translate this for you, that in their hearts with the spiritual disease, and they did not try 
to cure themselves from that disease. Fazal of Mullah Maradat, Allah Sasaro Kaid What does it mean? For example, they could not lower their gaze. That was a disease. They were betrayed. That was a disease. Okay, it happened. They should have gotten cured. They should have sought help. They should have learned how to make tawbah. They should have gone through a process of tazkiyah. They should have tried to put themselves in the path of taqwa. But they didn't do that. They just left themselves complacent. Then they would commit the sins again. And then they do it again. And so they left the disease rot and fester in them. They did try to get cured. Allah Ta'ala will increase them even more in that disease. Even more in that sense. From Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala has put a very special offering. And in this one single month of Ramadan, we can make Toba for all of the sins we ever did. In this one single month of Ramadan, we can get forgiven for everything. The Sallallahu Alaihi said, Awwal of Rahma, that the first 10 days of Ramadan are mercy from Allah Ta'ala. And the middle 10 days are forgiveness from Allah And the last 10 days, Allah will even take people out of the fire of Jahannam. What does that mean? So for example, maybe there is somebody who prayed five times a day, the whole year. In the beginning, Ramadan becomes a mercy for them. Allah out of his mercy accepts those prayers and then decrees for that person to continue praying for the next year. As an example, but also to maybe there's somebody they prayed sometimes, they didn't pray sometimes, but Ramadan came, they made niyat in their heart of true tawbah, to change themselves, they fixed themselves, so Allah forgive them for those prayers that they missed. And there could be a third category of person that they didn't pray at all. They never used to pray. Something happened to them. You will find people like that normally in Ramadan, all types of believers show up that you didn't see year-round in the masjid. So they were so distant from Allah Ta'ala that literally according to cities, they had lived a life up till this Ramadan that if they died at that moment, they would have gone to Jahannam. They were destined for Allah. That type of life they were living. But the month of Ramadan came. One month. And they decided to change. They made tawbah. They turned to Allah Ta'ala. They started praying salah again. They started fasting. They made dua to Allah Ta'ala. <coughs> Not even the whole month. And right in after just 20 days. 20 days of being good. On the 21st day, Allah says, okay, I take you out from Jahannam. Your name before this was written in those people that you had decreed for Jahannam. Now Allah Ta'ala takes them out. It's not just about prayer. It can be about anything. It can be about our adab. It can be about our akhlaq. Maybe there's somebody who was mistreating his family was mistreating his family so much. Hmm? Yes? That just because of that, he may have been destined for the fire of them. Yes, let me make this very clear to you. 99% of people on the Day of Judgment are going to go to Jannah or Jahannam based on one or two deeds that they do. Hmm. What does it mean? Allah Ta'ala is not going to put a standard rate on everyone. Allah Ta'ala is going to look at something. If he looks at something and he sees he likes it, he may make that a means of forgiving that person for everything else and sending him to Jannah. And if he looks at something and he doesn't like it, he will make that a means of punishing that person and sending them to Jannah. Very, very well known Sahih Hadith. I'm sure all of you know it. Reflect on it now. 
that Nabi Ibrahim sent the very first people to go to Jahannam. Who are they going to be? First, it's going to be an alim. An alim who used to teach Quran and teach the deen. But why? Because he wanted to be known and to be famous. So he'll be raised on the day that Allah asked him, so what did you bring? He says, oh, I brought this. Allah says, no, you did that because you wanted people to praise you. And so it was said that you were praised. So then Allah will order the angels, take this person, flip him upside down, and drag him into the fire of Jannah. Oh, good. Then there'll be another person called, who's a generous person, who gave a lot of money, <coughs> donated to the community, <coughs> donated millions of dollars to the community, to the cause, to the ummah. So he'll tell Allah, this is what I brought. Allah says, yes, you did do that. But you did that not only for me, but also because you wanted to be praised in the community, to be known as a generous person. And people used to remember you and call you generous. Same thing that they order the angels to take that person, flip him over, and drag him into Jannah. Then Ajib, another third person, Shaheed, who gave his life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa I'll ask him, what did you bring? He said, I gave my life for the deed. I'll say, yes, you did. But you also did so because you wanted the people to remember you, that you were a martyr, you were courageous, but could kill, and people used to remember you like that. That's Shaheed. Allah will tell the angels to flip him over and drag him to the fire. Now look, me and you, how many of us have done that level of service of Ilm al-Quran? How many of us have given millions of dollars in charity? Obviously, none of us are indeed. We don't even have that level of amal. But what do we learn from this hadith, which is very scary for me, is that Allah looked at one thing and he made the decision based on that. Let's go back. So let's say there's an alim and he did his teaching to be famous. So your logic, Hakul will tell you, okay, ya Allah, cancel that amal. Give him zero credit for that. Look at everything else. Maybe he also did umrah. Maybe he also went on hajj. He must have fasted Ramadan, he must have paid the God, so cancel the ilm, because he did that out of arrogance, he did that for show. Judge him on everything else. There's no mention of that in Hadith. How does it look at one thing? Okay, let's take the Shaheed. You could say, Ya Allah, okay, cancel the Shahad. Don't give him any points for that. What else did he do? What else is there in the book? That Shaheed, he must have fasted Ramadan, right? He must have prayed his Salah, he must have gone for Hajj. Who knows what else he did in his life? Maybe he was a wonderful father. Maybe he was a great brother. Maybe he was a great friend to someone. Maybe he was a good neighbor. No mention of that in this. This is not this this one thing. Then the flip side, there will be some people who show up on the day of judgment, right? And just one good deed, Allah Taala will like it so much, so much that He will amplify it and He will send them to judgment. Most people will be like. And you can understand this today, right? One number makes a difference. Today people are playing the World Cup. These people are like training for years and then the score of the match is 1-0. <laughs> right? What does that mean? It means, yes, one number can make a difference. <laughs> and you will ask a student, sometimes I've had a student. They say I failed by just one mark. I've also had students, I passed by just one mark. You ask that student, they'll tell you, just even one mark makes a difference. Hmm? You 
can have people who take tests. You can say they failed one question in the interview. Same thing going to happen in the day So why not we make the most of this month of Ramadan? Hmm? Ramadan is the time to take marks, to earn. And Allah Ta'ala multiplies it. One part equals 70 part, one non part equals one part of this month. So work hard in this month of Ramadan. But most importantly, work on your heart. Work on your heart. We already chose a fasting, we've been doing it for years. There's nothing new there for us now. This you work on your heart. Do one extra summer a day. Yes, every day something happens in life which is not according to your wish, not according to your plan. Do summer on it. Do one extra sugar a day. Every day. Like we have one a day vitamins, you should do one extra sugar a day. What does it mean extra? Do sugar to Allah Ta'ala for some blessing that up till now in your entire life you never consciously made sugar for that blessing yet. Maybe just like a thumb. Maybe we've never consciously made sugar for this thumb. Right? Walk around like this for a few hours. Try to write like this for a few hours. Immediately you start doing sugar of this thumb. Yes? Believe me, if every day you did sugar for a new nitma that you never did sugar for, the days of your life would end and the bounties of Allah Ta'ala still would be uncounted. That's what Allah said in Quran, La tosuha. You will never be able to count. Try every day to do sugar. Another way to feel your heart is make your heart feel feelings about Allah Subhanahu For example, it's not enough to believe that Allah Ta'ala is al kareem That's one level. Okay, I believe that. You have to feel it in your heart. What does that mean? Allah Ta'ala is Al-Kareem and my heart really feels Allah being Kareem with me. You open up your fridge, mashallah, in these countries. <laughs> Just opening up your fridge, you should see. Your heart should feel Allah is being so Kareem with me. You want to have anything for Tahur, you will just drive to the 24-hour supermarket. You want to have juice, there are 50 different types of juice. You want bread, there are 30 types of bread. Your kids want cereal, there's 100 types of cereal. How can you not feel it? Our problem is we think it, we believe it, we have aqidah, but we don't have hal, we don't have qalb, we don't feel these things. So try in this month to get the feelings of Islam. Try to fix your heart. All the things that you heard, you don't need too much of electronics. All of us know what the feelings of Islam are. I'll tell you one thing in Urdu, then I'll translate it for you in English. Meaning, because you have not experienced the reality. 
we have become like that about our very being. We all know the word. Who hasn't heard the word taqwa? Who hasn't heard the word sabr? Who hasn't the word shukr? Who hasn't heard the word tawakkul? But it hasn't become the reality of our heart. We haven't experienced the sweetness of shukr, the sweetness of sabr. Who are those people that are called in Quran sabri? Sabirin means they always have sabr. Zahirin, they always remember Allah subhanahu they always trust in Allah subhanahu wa they always stay away from sin for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa everything they do is at a level of virtue and excellence and beauty and honor. So many mukhlisin, everything they do is sincerely, purely for the sake of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are people like that. When are me and you going to try to become like that? Why are we just happy being just Allah Dina Allah? When are we going to get the sifat of Imam, the feelings of Imam? Spend this year Ramadan trying to get this. Trying to get the feelings of Iman in our heart. May Allah accept this Ramadan from us. May He accept our hearts for Ramadan. May He put all of the nur and all the rahmat, all the makran, all the barakat of Ramadan in our heart. May He steal it inside. May He keep it preserved so that this year Ramadan has this after effect on us has a long-lasting after-effect on us, has such an effect that it lasts at least till next year, 37. And then we start again.